0: Uh, I'm not really sure Russell.
1: <laughs> okay, well, that puts you right there with me, because
0: I'm not I'm not up on the latest ISIL or ISIS uh, endeavors, so I yeah I'm oh, at a loss.
1: But we were t- we were told that we were leaving Syria, which was uh, the Kurds' campground, and they. We're keeping ISIS in check. And then, boom! Overnight, we took care of the problem.
0: Well, but you're supposed to understand that. You see, that was part of the whole plan. Part of the whole plan was to 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 pull the troops. At least say that you're pulling the troops, and then uh let turkey come in and flex their muscle and and make everybody Uh think oh my gosh uh, you know the the wheels are falling off and then you swoop in that weekend and you do you do the job that didn't get done before i guess and then the naysayers have nothing left to say and so you got to understand it was all part of the big plan and uh And now that Big Daddy's gone, now you understand what it was all for.
1: Well, so who's our next opponent that needs to be droned or or planned? Because I'm just curious. Nobody's been painted in a worse light than Trump around the world. I mean, maybe they could go after him if he doesn't cooperate. I don't know. I hope we don't get down to that. But we have a history that shows that that we have been down to that. I was just in Dallas over the weekend, and I drove through that famous Dealey Plaza. And uh, it just helped me to remember that, yeah, they, they can take a president out, no problem. Whoever they
0: are. I thought you were going to say it just helped remind you that you were once there in a certain year in the 60s. <laughs> well, I
1: always get an itch on the base of my skull when I go over that X in the middle of the
0: road. <laughs> oh, brother. Yeah, I don't get it. I tell you. um yeah. I'll bet you there isn't one in 1,000. I'll bet you there isn't one in 100,000 that even thought that thought. Why do we give this guy some kind of a burial when he's all blown in pieces? Isn't he already buried in the end of his tunnel?
1: let Let me ask you another question. I know this may sound redundant, but I can go 40 miles an hour in a school zone without a seat belt and receive a $500 ticket for both offenses. Okay? Yeah. But James Comey, on the other hand, can take sensitive information, feed it to a newspaper, which is, from what I understand, is blatantly against the law. He can lie to Congress till he's blue in the face, He can write a book, go on a book tour. Heck, this guy, this creep from Berkeley, the one that's in charge of the impeachment, what's his name? Uh, Schiff. Schiff. Schiff can, can take the transcript of the president's phone call to Ukraine and make it up, add, subtract, whatever he wants. And release that as a news release and no charges filed that's perfectly acceptable because he just he said I was just pretending
2: that was a parody well, you it's like I
0: yeah I, it's it's like I said last week you know uh, well you know I heard a quote from Gerald Ford who said impeachment is whatever Congress Uh, an impeachable offense is whatever Congress says that it is and that's what we've been talking about you know uh, law is whatever these guys say it is and a violation Mm -hmm. of the law is whatever these guys say it is this is why you know the oppression you know it, it creeps upon us because they change the law to fit their needs and their desires and their will. And that's totally contrary to the will of the creator because he knows that it ultimately leads to what we have, which is chaos, destruction, death, and uh, and sin throughout, you know, the entire camp. So, um, yeah, it's... Uh, it's an amazing thing so all we can do is uh continue to do what we know is right continue to call on our our redeemer and creator and say we we need help um and we're ready to take the the dominion as soon as you see the, it, you know you see that um you know that that we're fit. I guess is the best way to say it. And uh, you know, part of it I think is is getting off some of this baggage that uh, that has been, I guess, foisted upon us. Uh, has. Uh, has permeated our society, has permeated the the Christian understanding as well. And so maybe that's the segue for tonight is into the message that uh, we could maybe learn something about uh, some more baggage. Um, I had some <laughs> thoughts this week and so I decided I would I would go ahead and approach him. I know it's not going to be popular to some, and I know for others it might open a couple of eyes, and for others it might create great uh, concern, and and uh, I might, you know, be on a list to be proven wrong or whatever. But um, so I thought maybe I'd. I'd do that this week and let the chips fall where they may.
1: Yeah. Well, let's go.
0: All right. Well, I was searching for a title for it because, Russell, you have reminded me, and and Pastor Peter's always had some very good, catchy titles. And I'm probably not too good at at the catchy titles. And uh, but I thought about titling this one The Myth of the Children of the Devil Who Killed Christ. Okay. Good place to start. <laughs> well let me let me say that title again. <laughs> Cause I thought I might hear a Ooh, or an ah from somebody out there, but uh, it's, uh, I was thinking of titling it, The Myth of the Children of the Devil Who Killed Christ. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to go to John chapter 8, and a parallel scripture to this John chapter 8 probably is Matthew 23. And I think if one goes to Matthew twenty-three on their own, uh, they should be able to conclude what we're going to uh, what we're going to put out here tonight as well. But um, anyhow, anybody that's got their Bible handy, let's go ahead and pull it out. And I guess where we ought to begin, first of all, in chapter eight, we know that. Christ first is confronting some of the Pharisees who brought a woman that was found in adultery, taken in adultery, the scripture says says there, chapter 8, verse 3. We're not going to be discussing this. We're continuing on to where in this chapter Christ is going to begin speaking here at... um, uh, Well, let's go ahead... um, with 19, 8 19. Uh, I have 20 to 23 in my notes, but maybe I should have started with 19. Then said they unto him, Where is your father? Jesus answered, You neither know me nor my father. If you had known me, you should have known my father also. These words spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. Then Jesus again said unto them, I go my way, and you shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. Whether I go, you cannot come. Then said the Jews, will he kill himself? Because he says, whether I go, you cannot come. Now remember, we've discussed in the series, Israel, Judah, and Jew, that nearly always in the New Testament scripture, where you read the word Jew, you should be reading Judahites. <clears throat> now remember, those who were called Jews were not all Judahites, some of them taking the name upon themselves when they came in and occupied the land of Judah and hence became known as Jews, but were not true Judahites. Alright, so we've all discussed and studied that in pretty Good detail. Then he says unto them in verse 23, you are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. So let's stop here. The question that we should have at this point here is what is meant by you are from beneath and I am from above? Is this a literal beneath? Um, Is there something that we need to understand? Uh, Certainly we can glean and understand from this that he says, I am from above. That would imply and mean to most all of us that he is from above. He's from the heavenly abode. And since we do understand that Christ is the only begotten Son of God, then therefore we don't have any problem with that. But what we apparently seem to have a problem with is a preconceived idea or belief about what this means when it says you are from beneath. Well, that chapter and verse crosses to chapter three in the book of John verse 31 so I'm just going to peel back real quick to John chapter 3 and verse
1: 31 hey Doug and this
0: is go ahead
1: would it interfere with you if I read the origin of the word beneath
0: no go ahead
1: it was the usual word. Below was a very rare in Middle English and gained currency only in the 16th century. It meant inferior in rank or dignity. Under is the opposite of over and is concerned with superposition and subjection and suggests some interrelations. Uh I thought that was interesting. It is interesting in a, lo- in a lower position is the sum definition. And so what did he just say? I am in a higher position than you are. Right? He he established he established his his superiority or his standing, I guess.
0: Yeah, standing is a good... His status, yeah, standing status.
1: Okay, I didn't mean to break your uh, continuity. I just wanted to throw that in there for us to chill while you gave us more.
0: Yeah, um... And, and that's, that's really good because I did not look that up. Um, but as I say, the preconceived notion and belief it has, has been, by many, that that had a connotation that ranges from you are from beneath. We're in John chapter eight, for those that just joined. Good evening, Rich. Um, And and we are at um, verse uh, 23 of John chapter 8, and I was, that verse there at um, 23 cross-references to chapter 3, verse 31, and in verse 31, we have something that gives us an understanding. It says, he that comes from above. Now, for context there, this is this is uh, um, John the Baptist's testimony about Christ. And they had come to him, the Pharisees did, and said, hey, you know, that guy that you were baptizing, you know, uh, he's out there baptizing more than you are. In other words, you know, we're always supposed to, well, gee, we're supposed to have these feelings of, uh, well that isn't right I, I'm the one who should get the credit And the glory etc cetera, et cetera. But you see John the apostle, or, uh, John the Baptist He understood there at, at 30 That he Christ must increase But I must decrease Now just aside side there I didn't mean to belabor that But So anyhow in 31 Which the scripture of 823 crosses to It says he that comes from above is above all he that is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth he that comes from heaven is above all so that just falls right into line to what you did in defining beneath and defining that it it comes from you know the middle 600s and uh so now to get an understanding of what it what it means for beneath is is yeah he's he's given them the characterization that i am i am the great i am i am from above and you are from beneath you are from beneath the above not some you know uh you know underworld netherworld or something that some have also attributed as as them being you know Uh, these Pharisees that he was speaking to of a seed of, of, of a serpent or a seed of Satan. And so we now have a definition for what is above and we have a definition for what is beneath as earthly. And he says in verse 36, let me make sure Yeah, we're still in John chapter three, but he says in verse 36, he that believes on the Son has everlasting life, and he that believes not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides upon him. So, that's not insignificant. John the Baptist understood this, and that's something that Christ also is going to convey. And... um, This is where Nicodemus comes in too in John chapter uh, seven, I believe it was. Um, Was it seven or? uh, That might have been John chapter three where Nicodemus, uh, was that John chapter three? Yeah, John chapter three is where Nicodemus comes to Christ at night and has a few more questions. But anyhow, as I was starting to say, is basically nowhere does that scripture imply or convey an erroneous preconceived notion that those that Christ spoke to were of some mythical under netherworld or of the abode of Satan by the term being used there beneath. And this scripture also does not imply any genetic connotation. No one was born from or came from above but the sun. All the rest of us came from earth. Earthly beginnings, meaning beneath the heaven above or the above that Christ spoke about, below the heaven above. And the second part of verse 23 conveys it clearly because he says, you are of this world, I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins for if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. Is that not the very thing that John the Baptist said to those same Pharisees in John chapter three? And the answer is yes. Now, continuing to verse 24. I said therefore unto you that you shall die. Well, I guess I already read that. So think about this. This was a thought that I wrote down. Remember, I've tried to say to you guys before that I've been looking at things, and I say this is what one has to believe. So in verse 24, Christ is telling them If they believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. So if these are serpent, seed, sons of the devil, sons of Satan, Pharisees, Esau, Edom, Pharisees, whatever you want to attribute there, he's telling them that they have an option. Do you see the option?
1: well one of them is to die in their sin exactly that's one option and then the other option is to figure out how to avoid that
0: exactly and that means to believe so this seems like the same option that we saw Cain being given when God said to him, Why is your countenance down? If thou doest well, shall you not be accepted? So you can either choose the option to be
3: accepted,
0: or you can choose the option to believe and get life, or you can choose the op- option to believe not, then you will die in your sin. And, of course, we know from Scripture also that Christ did speak in parables so that those that he did not want to hear and understand would die in their sins. And we've had that discussion before. Is it not perfectly within the Father's right to determine by the heart condition or by whatever means God chooses to, to make a determination to allow one to die in their sins, But this is not the God that has been painted for them, even though it's clear in the scripture. So what we have to believe is that these Pharisees, if they are from some satanic seed line, Christ is, offering them an opportunity not to die in their sins. Am I wrong in that? It seems pretty clear to me that that's exactly what the Scripture conveys. So, when you think about it, they can... For somebody that's taken the preconceived notion, the preconceived idea, and the preconceived belief that these Pharisees here that he's speaking to are a serpent seed race of people or whatever, then we have to reconcile with the fact that he did give them an option. Now, let's continue on. Who art thou, Jesus said unto them, 25, even the same that I said to you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge of you. He that sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. Then Jesus said unto them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am he. All right. When you have lifted up the Son of Man, who is Christ saying is going to lift up the Son of Man? Is it not these Pharisees that he is speaking to? Because he didn't say, when they have lifted me up, He didn't say, when uh, Pontius Pilate has lifted me up, he said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father has taught me, I speak these things. So, We have this also that we learn and that we glean is that these Pharisees were responsible and were those to whom he spoke to that said they would lift him up. Let's go to Acts. Go ahead. I heard somebody say something.
1: I said this is really interesting to me because as many gazillion times as I, that I've been told what sin was. I just thought I'd go to the etymolo, etymolo, etymology online and see what they say, where it came from. And if you plug it in for this word, I said therefore, therefore to you that if you shall die in your sins... If you plug in these some of these other definitions, it makes this very interesting, uh, such as moral wrongdoing, uh, crime against God, uh, injury, mischief. You see, he's saying if you continue to be of that ilk, you will. It will, like you said earlier, about Cain when sin knocks at the door you better learn how to control it or it will consume you that's exactly what Jesus is saying right here and you mentioned that
0: but, Absolutely. but we
1: we we get tied up thinking about these words the way we were taught them since we were six months old and the essence of it is is bad behavior will kill you or destroy you and he says, "Good behavior will save you from all of this pain." I mean, it's very logical, isn't it? If
0: well, yeah, but yeah, and right. and by the same by the same token, though, just because you know you stated that. Um, you know, if you do right, you won't have this pain. Well, that I know you didn't mean it that way, but I understood what you were saying. But we know that by doing right, we often still do have pain. We often still will yeah. have suffering. but the the point is exactly, exactly. and but, like you said, That's, I guess, why I thought I would title this message The Myth of the Children of the Devil Who Killed Christ. Because there has been a lot that has happened over the decades and the centuries to inculcate into our minds basically something that is, in fact, a myth. And so part of the myth is that somebody else killed Christ and as I was going to do was take us to Acts chapter 2 verse 36 and this is what Peter said. Peter said, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, if you're wondering if I've taken this out of Uh, context or something, you will find earlier in the scripture, uh, Peter addresses the crowd at 14, but Peter standing up with the 11 lifted up his voice and said unto them, you men of Judea and all you that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. So he's talking to the men of Judea all those that dwell at Jerusalem, and then um, at verse 22, he says, you men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, the man approved of God, among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as yourselves also know. All right, and then we have that verse there in 36, therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Flip over to Acts chapter 3, which it might be on your same page, and we're going to go to chapter 11 for context. As the Lame man, which was healed, held Peter and John. All the people ran together unto them in the porch. That is called Solomon's uh, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, You men of Israel, why marvel you at this? Or why look you so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? The Son, excuse me, the God of Abraham of Isaac and Jacob, the God of our Fathers, has glorified his Son Jesus, whom you whom you delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go, but you denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you, and killed the Prince of life whom God has raised from the dead where of you, we are all witnesses, or we are witnesses, end quote. So there's a second testimony by Peter that the Pharisees were of the Judahites, men of Judea, who Peter identifies as the ones who lifted up Christ and demanded of Pontius Pilate to take Christ and leave them a murderer. Chapter five in Acts, another page over to verse number 30. Now, um, for context, of course, um, they're suffering some persecution here and I'll start with 29, then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, well, let me go to 28 for context, saying, did we not straightly command you? uh, I want to, I know in 24 it says, the high priest, the captain of the temple, the chief priest heard these things, um, and... Uh, I guess that'll suffice, so we know who Peter is addressing here. They said to Peter, did we not straightly command that you not to teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intended to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hanged on a tree. So we have another, the, the individual who was given the keys to the kingdom, who understood that Christ was the Son of God. Christ said to you, Peter, I will give the keys to the kingdom because flesh and blood had not revealed it to him. So Peter has now told us three times that these are the ones who lifted up and crucified the Christ. Chapter 7, verse 51. Um, For context here, in chapter 7, we've got basically um, Stephen's speech um, telling him about Joseph and, and then Moses and so forth. And we get to verse 51. And it says, well, actually this is this is good because this is where Stephen lays the accusation. It's just like what you said, Russell. How come this guy could go on the airwaves and he could spend whatever time he spent to tell us about Big Daddy and how we got Big Daddy? Well, you know, take five minutes and do that, and since you got everybody's attention, then spend the next 15 minutes laying out the crimes of the others uh, right here in your own Congress.
1: Or, or how about laying out his
0: crime to us, the United States of America? How about what, Russell?
1: That, I said a really good place to start would be to say we just executed or we just caused a guy to blow himself up that did this, 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 to the people of the United States of America, and we brought him to justice. Wouldn't that be refreshing?
0: Yeah, that certainly would have given us better context, right? And this is what Stephen does then, is he he tells him in 51, he says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in your heart and ears You do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them, which showed before of the coming of the just one, of whom you have been now the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. Now, i got to ask you, Who was given the law? Was Esau given the law? No. Were Canaanites given the law?
1: Not that we know. I like
0: that answer, Russell. I think, Russell, your answer is absolutely correct. No. In fact, if you flip back in 7, I believe he tells, as I mentioned, he speaks about moses and joseph and so forth and through that delivery so right there we've got another proof that it is not sons of the serpent esau canaanite edomites that we have you know been taught to believe or certainly been taught to believe that someone else killed christ And the fact of the matter is, that's not true. Christ, from his own words, said that they were the ones who were going to lift them up. Peter, after the crucifixion, conveys on three occasions, and Stephen on one occasion, that they are the ones who lifted him up and murdered him.
3: Well, it shouldn't surprise
1: anybody.
0: No, it shouldn't surprise anybody.
1: Because the media can make people do lots of things that they hadn't planned on doing.
0: So, um, uh,. You know,
1: somebody- he convinced those people that he had to go you know he came in in a crowd and they were praising him weren't they on a donkey right three days later they were chanting kill him a certain amount of time later bring him up so well, there's your I've been people.
2: doing I've been doing a uh... Kind of my own Bible study, mostly in the New Testament, since around the beginning of summer, and I'm, I'm still still working on it. But uh, pretty much just taking notes of all of the different scriptures that that can um, kind of tie tie together with one another and tell me how all the various people are related, uh, especially in, in the New Testament, but through the Old. And I'm not done with that study yet, but all of these scriptures that you've pointed out so far tonight are in my notes, and they're in my notes for a reason, because so far I've come to the the same conclusion, that there's, it seems seems to me that there's a definite link between uh, the people that, that put Christ to death or put him up. Uh, in front of Pilate and and uh, you know the 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 Pharisees, the children of Israel or Israel, uh, Judah, you know they were all in the same areas in the same times being by Christ and by the apostles. and've I've come to the same conclusion so far, but you know I'm not not ready to say that I have a conclusion yet, but that's kind of where I'm at.
1: And well, I don't know why I know it would be
2: surprising to anybody because uh, God divorced Israel for a reason, and I don't know why why anybody would think that these that that they were a bunch of angels, you know. Yeah. All of a sudden, they yeah. were a bunch of cheating murderers. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, they weren't all obviously, but I don't I don't know. You could make make the argument that once Christ was born, maybe uh, suddenly they all changed and they were all perfect, but I don't think that's how it works.
0: Well, no, and what what you're saying is true, and that is that, um, yeah, you see, it's just like in the leadership that we see today is that there are those who are supposed to know the law, There are those who are supposed to, they took an oath. They took an oath to support, defend, et cetera, et cetera, for us. Uh, They agree to follow something that is supposed to be a constraint upon them, and they do not do it. And in so doing, they cause a ripple effect down through the society and it redounds into negativity throughout the society so uh in the same sense that's where we are uh, as well is having this ripple effect same thing there we have these leaders in judea these men of judah and some of who were uh true judahites and some who were not but called themselves jews because you know, there's no doubt that Esau came into the land of Jerusalem, and came in during that that dispersion of the captivities, and it's all historically, you know, uh, um, recorded for us. But oftentimes it's not taught that way to us, and it's kind of left out, and so we're always left trying to pick up pieces of history because we're no longer being taught history and the quickest way to conquer a people is to take away history. Because when they do not understand and do not know their history or even know, you know things of their history, then they're bound to repeat the same errors or the same mistakes. And all through Israel's history, it says here, and it's repeatedly said that they were the ones who killed the prophets that God sent unto them. But it's just like us, isn't it? It's just like us, isn't it, to want to cast the blame somewhere else? And more damage is done because erroneously that blame is cast somewhere just because we want a good kick and post. I don't care whether the kick kick and post is is Satan or whether we want the kick and post to be... um, Esau Edom, or we want the kick-and-post to be Canaanites, or we want the kick-and-post to be Ishmaelites, or whoever we decided to make the kick-and-post. And uh, so...
1: So, so I, it, it, sounds like, it sounds like you're saying, Doug, that there's a possibility that the narrative was set a certain way so that we could take the responsibility of the people that really did it kind of like uh, a TV show
0: right and, and somebody might say somebody right and somebody might say today well what does it matter we just know that he was killed and okay that's fine that's fine but the inquisitive mind wants to understand something and wants to delve deeper into it. And the inquisitive mind is the mind that says that well, I want to show myself approved. So I want to not be saying something that somebody has told me. I want to be saying something that
2: that I can support support and substantiate. And another thing um, too there is that if you don't if you don't know what the truth is, which I, none of us know all of the truth, but if you don't know what the truth is, then there's this big hole in your mind for somebody else to come along and put their truth in it, and you'll be way more uh, perceptive to receiving that that version of the truth if you don't have your own foundation. Absolutely, very well stated.
0: So, now, in chapter 7, verse 45, because I had touched on Nicodemus before, and I also mentioned uh, about the series that we did on Israel, Judah, and Jew, but in chapter 47, verses 45 to 7, is recorded that some of the Pharisees had some unbelief. And we learned that in John uh, chapter 3, about Nicodemus coming to Jesus at night, and Christ told Nicodemus, and this is an interesting statement here because uh, I think this sometimes gets missed as well. Let's flip over to John three quickly and keep moving on here. Um, but in John chapter three, in verse ten, um, uh. uh Okay, let's go ahead for context and begin with four. Nicodemus says unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Well, let me go back to three. Um, Okay, let's start with uh, chapter three, verse one. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, meaning Judahites, uh, which is the way it should be translated. The the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher from God, uh, for no man can do the miracles that thou dost except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus says unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And then he says, don't marvel that I said you must be born again. Don't marvel at that. The wind blows where it lists, And thou hears the sound, but cannot tell when it comes, where it comes, and whither it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So in other words, somebody that's born of the Spirit, you don't know when he is born of the Spirit. But he must be born of the water and the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Are you a master of Israel and know not these things? Verily I say unto you, we speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and you receive not our witness. So my point there was verse 10, are you a master of Israel, and know not these things? So he's saying to Nicodemus, here you are, you're a teacher of Israel a master in Israel, and you don't know these things, telling him, again, as I said, don't marvel that I said you must be born again, because that's not the issue here. <laughs> the issue here is that you need to understand you've got to be born of the water and the spirit. And if he was... um a teacher that understood these things, he would have known that. And <clears throat> four chapters later, uh, from here, in seven forty-five, uh, I believe that's uh, yeah. So okay. Um, there's this great division amongst the people in, in 725 through, you know, 41, 42. Uh, others said this is the Christ. Others said no, you know, he's, he came out of Galilee. There's no prophet that's, you know, been written that says that he's coming out of Gal- Galilee. But they didn't understand something else about where he, where he had come out of. So anyhow, at 45, it says, Then came the officers to the chief priests and the Pharisees, and they said unto them, Why have you not brought him? You see, they were complaining to the officers because they did not bring Christ to him. And he says, The officers say unto them, Never man spake like this. Then answered the Pharisees, Are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed on him? But this people who knows not the law are cursed. Who? What? Where, These Go what? Where, go are you, ahead.
1: where are you from, Doug? What? Um, I
0: was at I was at seven forty-five, and I've read down to forty-nine. But this people who knows not the law are cursed. Nicodemus then says unto them,
3: <clears throat>
0: "Does uh, our act law? Seven? Pardon? Is it
1: acts? Is it Acts?" Seven and 45. No, no, John
0: cha- John chapter 7, I'm sorry. John chapter 7. I went I went from from John chapter 3 um, and flipped back to John chapter 7 here where Nicodemus is is addressing now the Pharisees. He says, "Does our law at, I said, I uh, at All right. All right, sorry about that. And on 51, he says, does our law judge any man before it hear him and know what he does? They answered and said unto him, art thou also of Galilee? Search the scriptures. Search and look, basically. He says, for out of Galilee arises no prophet, and every man went unto his own house. So they're, they're beside themselves. There's a division. And so the point I was um, uh, making about this is Nicodemus right here conveys a statement of the law, which is we don't we don't bring someone to judgment until we give that man an opportunity to be heard and so once again, who had the law? only Israelites had the law the Judahites were of Israel? Esau didn't have the law. Why would Esau, a Pharisee, an Edomite Pharisee, uh, and Esau, Edomite Pharisee, say, does our law, you know, and we already know that Christ referred to Nicodemus as a teacher of Israel. So um, verse 30 then tells us in that same, uh, in chapter 8, I'm going to go back over to chapter 8 now and continue where we left off um, uh, at 28, 29, and now we're going to 30. He spake these words, many believed on him. So I'll just recap 29. And he that sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I do always the things that please him. And as he spake these words, many believed on him. So, once again, we have to also believe that these sons of the devil, these serpent uh, Canaanite, Esau, Edomite Pharisees, uh, some of them believed on him. That's what we have to believe if we're going to believe the myth that many have taught for many, many hundreds of years. Um, verse 31 <clears throat> clarifies that to those Judahites, Jews, which did believe they would be free if they continued in his work. So now we have another thing that we have to believe. This is another thing we have to believe. Then said Jesus to the Jews, which believed on him. So in other words, Believe, well, are all of these Jews or some of these Jews Israelite Judahites or are they all Esau Edomite Pharisee Jews? If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. So, in other words, there's something they must do to continue in his words. You shall know the truth, and the tr- truth shall make you free. Well, so now they're going to get contentions with Christ. About a physical thing when Christ is discussing with them the freedom that they would have under the the spiritual knowledge of the truth that the Christ is among them. And, so, and I
1: think it's important that you, in the word free, there we understand that what sets you free is when you get to. You get to act in your own will, as opposed to being
0: ruled over. Well, more importantly than that, what is the what is the thing that makes what is the thing that makes you free? Right there, it's right there in the scripture. And you shall know the truth. You shall you shall know the truth.
1: And And the truth yeah because of that knowledge <laughs> you get set free
3: and right you
1: go up if you go three scriptures back up I where Jesus said I always do the things that are pleasing to his father right
0: yeah absolutely
1: and you you showed us over there in uh, Malachi what pleases the father and that's yes Judge, Judging uh, justice,
3: yeah.
0: kindness.
3: A- executing Jesus justice.
1: Jesus must have been one cool guy to hang out with because he, he knew how to please his father. And, of course, if you were a guilty guy, that would be very uncomfortable, wouldn't it? to be around him because he said you straight in a heartbeat as he did to that girl at the well but he also told her how to straighten up and fly right didn't he
0: right all right i'm running out of time so let me try to wrap the these next 20 verses uh what is it 32 to yeah it's a good good twenty verses here, or somewhere around there. so and yeah, so then, thirty three, they answered him, said, We be Abraham's seed. we were never bondage to any man. How sayest thou you shall be free? Okay, so once again, we've been taught to believe that we should think about this bondage in a physical sense, number one, and then we've also been somewhat taught to believe that there's a genetic connection with Abraham and um, we've also then been taught to believe that who is the only party or, or individuals or peoples that could say that they were never in any bondage to any man and so we've been taught that that is Esau Edom, that Esau was not in bondage. He could be the only one from Abraham's seed that was not in bondage. Well, that's just flat-out poppycock. (laughs) Was was Ishmael in bondage? Could not these be Ishmaelites here also? The answer is yes. I don't have anything that tells me that they were, because the only thing I have that tells me they're anything is that, that they are Israelites that they are Judahites. So there we've been taught to believe or taught to think of this thing here as this physical bondage and so forth, while Christ is talking about what makes them free is the truth. And we've been wrapped up in a physical thing that had no bearing whatsoever. But that's how things get messed up is when we're taught things that aren't necessary or are incorrect. So, if these Pharisees, again, this is what we have to believe: if these Pharisees were judahite Israelites, well, they would have been in Egyptian bondage, dug and uh, certainly the ten tribes were in the Assyrian captivities and. The two tribes, Benjamin and Judah, were in Babylonian captivity, but even Esau himself had been in bondage. David conquered Edom, the scripture tells us. So were they not in bondage to Israel? They certainly were. So it cannot refer to a historical ancestral bondage, but Speaking of themselves right there in their present, not their past. And this is borne out by the four references in the book of Acts to the Israelites having crucified the Christ.
2: You know,
0: that's just another one of the preconceived notions and beliefs that have crept in without us showing ourselves approved to rightly divide the truth of God, the truth of the word of God. Those of God, well, we gotta continue on. Let me continue on. Verily, verily, I say unto you whoever commits sin is the servant of sin. See, Christ doesn't address any of this physical bondage thing. He says, verily, verily, I say unto you whosoever commits sin is the servant of sin. This very thing you said, Russell, just a little while ago. And the servant abides not in the house forever, but the son abides forever. If the son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you're Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and you do that which you have seen with your father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said unto them, if, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the words of Abraham. Well, now what? now we've been taught that, well, gee, see, these are not Abraham's children. Well, wait a minute. They just said they were Abraham's children. But Christ just said, well, if you were Abraham's children, but Christ also said, I know you're Abraham's children. I'm so confused. Can somebody clear up the confusion for me? You see what I'm doing, don't you? Oh, yeah.
1: You're trying to confuse me.
0: Exactly. I'm trying to confuse you. You see, because Christ says, I know that you are Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. You see, you're not like Abraham. You're something else. I speak that which they have seen with my father, and you do that which you have. You know, sometimes the simplest of things, I decided to look up that word father. Can you imagine that I needed to look up that word father? Yeah. Now, that's where,
1: that's where you find the juices in those details, those little bitty things.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would think that I would be smart enough to know what the definition of the word father is. All right, I'm going to continue, and then I'll get to the definition. They answered and said to him, Abram's our father. Jesus said unto them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that has told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This Did not Abraham. You see, when Abraham heard God, and when Abraham was told things of God, Abraham believed them. He didn't go out and decide to go, you know, kill somebody. When he told him to go sacrifice his son, he took his son and went and sacrificed him. But because he was willing to do it, God stopped him. Anyhow, I divert. Jesus said unto them, if God were your father, you would love me. Well, now this is where we're told, you see? It's as simple as that, Doug. What is it that you don't understand about this? If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech, even because you cannot hear my word? You are of your father the devil, Doug. There it is again. Is there something that you do not understand? You are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Well, that ought to pretty much clinch it, you see. You're of your father the devil, he says to them. Okay, so these Pharisee Israelites, we've established they're Israelites, they're of their father the devil. You see, this is what we have to believe. Are you following me? Yeah. So I look up this word
1: father. The nearest male ancestor.
0: And now I got to redo it. (laughs) Just give me a moment here. Uh, John 3, 8, or 48, or no, John 8. All right, hold on here. I'm going to get it. All right, it says, then answered the Jews and said unto him, uh," oh, it was not 48, it was 44. I gotta do that again, sorry, 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 sorry. John 8 and 44. So if somebody, so the the word father is number three nine six two, and this is what it says. There's quite a bit to father. I learned a generator or male ancestor is the primary definition. It's used in the authorized version two hundred sixty seven times, and father hundred and fifty times. Uh, and parent, one. So father as, as with a capital father, capital F, I guess, 267. Anyhow, uh, generator or male ancestor. All right. But let me go to definition two. Definition two, metaphor. The originator and transmitter of anything. The authors of a family or society of persons animated by the same, by the same spirit as himself, one who has infused his own spirit into others, who actuates and governs their minds, one who stands in a father's place and looks after another in a paternal way, a title of honor, teachers, and members of the Sanhedrin whose prerogative it was by virtue of the wisdom and experience in which they excelled to take charge of the interest of others. So here we have that the term father under 3962 can be a metaphor for the originator and transmitter of anything such as the author of a family or society of persons animated by the same spirit as himself. So, that's an interesting...
1: Yeah, anything that gives rise to something else.
0: Exactly. So, if you are of your father the devil, you are of your father the diabolos, so you belong to a society of persons animated by the same spirit as the diabolos and the lust of your father what was the lust of his lust of their fathers the lust of their father was a murderer the lust of their father was a liar the lust of their father uh, abode not oh, in the yeah. truth. Don't don't forget,
1: Doug, of what the Diabolos was—a slander and an accuser. Exactly. That, those tra- those were the traits. Those children, metaphorically speaking, or converts.
3: So those.
0: Remember, he said, if you believe me and you stay with me, you will indeed be mine. I'm paraphrasing, of course. So, in other words, and, and here, let me finish it out. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Which of you convinces me of sin? If I say the truth, why do you not believe me? Verse 47, very important. He that is of God hears God's words. You therefore hear them not because you are not of God. So we've been taught to believe, well, you're not of those here that Christ was referring to are not of God because they're physically not of God. But that isn't what it's saying at all because what we have to understand, those of God are not those that are not of the seed line of the devil because there's no genetic connotation here at all. It cannot be a physical genetic connotation. As John eight forty seven says, he that is of God hears God's words. He told these people here they're not of God because they refuse to hear his words. You, therefore, hear them not because you are not of God. Is there any genetic connotation to be derived out of that language at all? The answer is simply no.
1: Well what's going on in Washington DC right now? Same children of the same Diabolos doing the same behavior, accusing That's- and slandering.
0: Exactly.
3: Were there Israelites
0: who did not hear God's words? Absolutely. As Isaac said earlier, we got a, a plethora of, of a historical record that they would not hear his words. They killed his prophets. So therefore, what we have to believe, because they did not hear God's word, those Israelites were sons of the devil. Are you following me? How many descendants of Jacob Israel heard God's word and did not hear God's word? He told us in his scripture repeatedly that only a remnant shall be saved. So, if one is of God, Does that mean that that's a genetic progeny of God himself? No, it does not. Not according to Christ. Because Christ is the only begotten son of God. There is not one of us that can say that we are genetically of God. That is not the way Christ referred to this. That is not the context. That is not the structure of the language used.
3: And Christ
0: identified these Pharisees as the ones who seek to kill him. Thus, therefore, I decided to title this message, The Myth of the Children of the Devil Who Killed Christ.
3: Uh
0: Does it make sense?
1: Uh, I think so. Do uh, you know what a ballista g- is?
0: What a what is?
1: A ballista. It's an ancient no. war engine used for throwing missiles in the 14th century, taken from the Latin ballista, literally a throwing machine, from the Greek word balian to throw. If you put the prefix diabolin, it means to throw across. So the diabolos took slander or words and threw them across the room or wherever. That's yep. what the diabolo is slander.
0: Well, I knew that, and there's more of, as you can tell now by taking this, really just this chapter of John, chapter 8, and combing through it and trying to cut out the preconceived ideas, the preconceived beliefs and then just asking myself, okay, if I have this belief, does it square with what the scripture says? And I found myself repeatedly saying, I cannot have this belief or I cannot have this preconceived idea about what these scriptures are saying or conveying because the scripture completely throws that idea out the window so some of those things that have been rolled into this John chapter 8 have been very detrimental to us knowing the truth and the truth making us free I know it's the top of the hour here, and that's maybe something to chew on, and if somebody wants to, maybe I didn't present it the best. Um, You know, sometimes you take some notes and you're trying to figure out how you can put it together. I mean, when I do messages myself, I sometimes take several days to write and rewrite and, and and in this case here, I, I oftentimes am trying to put things together without taking as much time as I do when I write a message myself and, and just record it for the, for the archives. So I, I hope it was at least presented in somewhat of a cohesive way. And I think if someone will listen to the, the recording again, and, and apparently we have a lot of internet issues here, so I don't know whether this thing's going up or not. We, our internet was down earlier today, and there was quite a bunch of equipment being brought to a location that looked like it could have something to do with our internet down. And when we got ready to log on tonight, the internet was up, and so we took off with it, and it was recording. And then we got bounced off once, and then it said we had been reconnected, and then it bounced out again, and it was out for a good four or five minutes. So I don't know whether this thing will be recorded or not. And uh, if it's not, I guess I'll have to put it together and and uh, put it into the archive. And I know some of you have been talking to other people about these and. Others have gone and listened to these and have, have enjoyed them. So so uh, hopefully this would be one that, that did make it to the recording, uh, but if not, I'll try to take it and record it. So any thoughts by anybody before we close in prayer? Or Isaac or Jay, Jordan or anybody? Rich?
3: No, I'll
2: say. Well, I'll just... It's kind of like I said earlier. I think that I've been coming to the same conclusion, and I feel like, and there's a lot more scripture that I think backs the idea up uh, all throughout the New Testament, at least. Then you can cross-reference a lot of things in the Old Testament, like who murdered certain prophets and things like that. So, absolutely, I feel like if you're if you're reading it and you're trying to build a case for this idea I you know I can always be missing stuff but I feel like it's pretty strong you can always go to the the argument of well this such such and such word was translated inaccurately and stuff like that and yeah that's those are things that we have to take into consideration too and may take into consideration so yeah i'm i'm on i'm on board with this and it also doesn't mean that there's no adversary there are there's a lot there's more adversary than than anything <laughs> so there's plenty of room yeah, for we we're,
0: we're pretty good at being our own little devils aren't we
1: yeah
2: well, and we're good at being manipulated by other people too and we know the same thing happened in the Old Testament. We know that when Israel was was in their new land, that they were going out to the borders and inviting all of that evil in upon themselves, and they were toying with it. And I don't think that that's changed, except amongst Whoa. people who have uh, taken the word of Christ so to heart. So where do we go from yeah, that's
3: here.
1: it uh, I think this is very interesting. We, he says, Jesus says, God has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Now, another, another way that could be said, from another point of view, from a different type of person, you could say, he has left me alone, for I always do the things that are not pleasing to him so
0: yeah you know yeah and when you continue on in john chapter 8 to 48 through the end of the end of the chapter you know um they accused christ of having a devil and um you know he, he says no no he says i honor my father you do dishonor me i seek not my own glory you see that that's the thing is that seeking not your own glory. Uh, these these Pharisees were all seeking after their glory, and he says, you know, simply put, I say unto you that a man keeps my saying, he shall never see death. And that made him mad too. You know, well, yeah, now we know you have a devil. You know, Abraham is dead. The prophets. And the prophets and now says, if a man keeps my saying, he shall never taste of death. See, they, they don't understand what he's saying. They don't understand the spiritual nature of what Christ is offering them in this liberty and freedom. He's offering them the greatest thing to understand and know the truth, to never have to taste death, not death in the sense that they all, you know, professed it to Christ just there,
2: um,
0: you know, that's a powerful truth. And this is why we as Christians do believe in that resurrection. We believe in that promise that he's given us that if we abide with him, if we know his word, if we understand and we seek it and we desire it, we shall never see death. Oh, this flesh will wither away and it'll go back to dust, but that has nothing to do with my spiritual you know existence with the Father, nothing whatsoever. so it's just so what do you say, Russell? Where do we go from here? Well, we go from here and we keep discerning. We keep rightly dividing the word.: I was thinking of
1: continually pleasing our father.
0: Oh yes, absolutely, yeah, no, you're right, absolutely, and you know how pleasing can it be to the father to have a land that he's given us flowing with milk and honey and have it putrefied with needles and and feces and you know um drug infested you know, how is that pleasing to the father and Not only that, how is it pleasing to the Father that we have littered the country with millions of babies? How is it pleasing to the Father that we have people in rulership over us who despise the law, who have kicked God out? That's not pleasing. And so, boy, there's a whole lot of pleasing we got to do, don't we? But not as long as we continue to have these unrighteous rulers reigning over us. And there will come a day when God will say, I've had enough. And for many of us, it's not soon enough. But we stay the course, we keep abiding in his will and in his word, and we keep sharpening each other to understand it more and more and to throw off the baggage of our preconceived and our former doctrines and our polluted doctrine amen oh, amen. amen let's
1: call at a... it i need to call all
0: right up. all right go russell
1: Father, you know where we are needing. You know what we need, fathers. Oh, yes, we need Lord. to learn your ways, and that's what we—that's what we're attempting to do, and we're doing on these Tuesday nights is trying to learn what you think about stuff, as opposed to what we think about stuff. So, please, Lord, teach us how to please you, and <laughs> you've shown us how to please you. Just give us the courage to do it. The power to recall, Lord. I pray for that power on each man listening tonight and woman. Increase our power to recall. So that we can... In times of temptation, we'll have the ability to recall your word that we learned on these Tuesday nights or whenever. And avoid trouble. Yes, so that's Lord, my prayer, and I thank Father. you for these blessings that you've revealed to us tonight, that, Lord Jesus.
0: Amen, hallelujah. Heavenly Father, I know that we're approaching a time where a lot of travel takes place, Father. I just am thankful. I just got a text from a brother that said he's fine. There, there was a trucking accident, and we always think of our truckers, and so um, one of them has checked in, and, and he's fine. He was not amongst the big trucking accident that that occurred. So, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for watching over those that are out on the road and those that begin to endeavor out to go see family and spend some time as summer is now closed and and they go to spend time uh, in these uh, months ahead, and so we, Father, we pray for their travels. We pray for you to to hedge them about and keep them protected. And Father, we thank you so much for the opportunities you give us uh, to fellowship with one another. And I just thank you for the opportunity of fellowshiping with these men, and may all the glory and Praise and the honor be lifted up in your name, and we thank you for thank you for the opportunity. In Jesus name, Amen. Amen. amen.
3: amen. Heavenly Father, we ask that you bless us this day and give us power over Satan and his children, because they have a holy high day coming up, and Lord God, we want to break the backs of their their worshiping, their spells, their sacrifices, whatever they do, Father. Let them fall into the pits that they dig for us. Let their wives be widows, their children, the orphans, let them beg in the streets and be no more in this generation. Lord God, we also pray for our Israelite brothers and sisters who are dealing with the wildfires in California. Lord God, protect them, protect their homes, protect their children in their animals. Keep them safe, Father, and let them burn up the other guy's stuff. (laughs) There's there's plenty of people in California that deserve it. Thank you, Holy Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. 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 All right, man. Well, enjoyed it uh, once again. And... uh, We'll talk to you all in a week.
1: Okay. Good night.
2: All right. Thanks, everybody. All right. Good night, night, all. Good Good night. Good night.